Hey guys, welcome back to the weekly roundup. Um, I got a bunch of cool stuff to talk about this week, but I just want to start with a very quick channel update just to kind of explain a little bit more from last week. Uh, so first of all, uh, all of the comments on all of the videos are staying on. I completely forgot about the entire other side of comments and that people have conversations about stuff that was talked about this week and very stupid of me to not even consider that. But uh, I don't know if I'm going to have time to read any of them, uh, at least not for the short term, because I really need to concentrate on you know, getting the website worked on, doing a lot more of these videos and really getting back into it. So very sorry, but for the short term, just assume that I'm not reading any of the comments and I'll try to get to something else. Um, as for the Q&As, also for the short term, I'm going to keep them the way I said last week, whereas I just do it Patreon only. But a lot of people posted a lot of really great ideas, and as soon as I get a little more time to jump back into things, I will absolutely revisit that and figure out something better, which, you know, probably works, because uh, I don't have as much time as I would, I would like to, at least for the next few weeks. But I am going to have a couple of small things that I'm working on just to try to slowly do something better every week. Um, I got a new camera, but I literally just got it, so I haven't set white balance or brightness or stuff like that. So I probably look a little weird against the green backdrop. Sorry. Um, I'm also having a slightly different way that I have the images next to me. And please tell me if you think it stinks or not. Uh, I really am just trying to make it more efficient without losing any quality. Um, if nobody likes it, I'll go back to the other way. I just feel like if I could save an hour or two on this, uh, but keep the quality the same, then that means that I could have that time towards other videos that I'll be working on. But uh, as always, I'm all ears, and you know, hopefully I'll be able to figure out a happy medium for everything. Um, and the Patreons, please stay tuned at the end of this, because uh, I know most subscribers messaged me and said, don't worry about what happened last month, it's not a big deal. Uh, but you guys know that I do worry, and that stuff bothers me. So uh, I'm definitely not charging anybody for May, just to make sure that's evened out. And I have a couple other things that I think might maybe make up for it a little bit. So thank you very much for your support, but I'm I'm definitely sticking to that, because I really do appreciate the Patreon subscribers so much. I just want to make sure everybody always knows it. Even if you disagree with stuff that I say, at least you could know that I still love you at the same time. But uh, let's jump into the news. First up, Red Guy just released the latest version of his Super FX firmware for the SD to SNES. And it's basically just a bunch of little bug fixes and updates, like fixing the timing to be closer to that of real carts, um, and just to really fix the RAM access to be a little bit more accurate and bug free. But I just absolutely love that he's posting updates to this, because as of now, uh, it is the only way and the first time you could ever play Super FX games on a ROM cart. And there are a couple of pretty cool MSU1 Yoshi's Island hacks and stuff like that, so it's definitely promising, and uh, it's something I'm excited about and can't wait till I have more time to really dig into and try. Firebrand X just uploaded a video for people who own the Super NT that want to squeeze the absolute most OCD perfect settings out of it. Uh, and a massive thank you to him for doing this too, because not only does he shows the, show the settings, he explains why and everything, but um, this is something that's a big deal to me, because if you already own a Super NT, 
this it's free to do it so it's really worth taking the time to do it's not like some of these other mods that i talk about where if the console i'm talking about isn't your favorite system maybe it's not worth it to take it apart mod it or parts whereas this is just flipping through a couple of menus and you know 10 minutes later everything's exactly as it should be so i strongly recommend any perfectionists who own the super nt to do this and not only did he do super nintendo games but i believe he also did game boy games um, and that's a pretty big deal, because for anybody who had the original Super Game Boy on a SNES, while it did look good, especially in RGB, um, the aspect ratio was actually off, and it was stretched. So you don't get the same square screen, but as you can see now, um, he totally nailed it. So anybody that owns a Super NT, I strongly recommend, recommend, recommend just taking the time to watch this, because it's a, a noticeable difference that only costs a few minutes of your time. This next thing cracked me up big time, and although it has nothing to do with retro gaming, I really hope everybody enjoys this, especially after all the bad modding talk we've done. Um, I do IT as a day job, and I was at a client on Wall Street, and I walk in, and I'm kind of doing my thing, and I look up, and I just kind of do a double take because I see this. And I'm staring at it, and one of the employees starts laughing like, you know, are you going to take a picture and put that on the internet? I was like, no, I would never do that. <laughs> But you guys going to see this. Here's a close-up of it. And I thought this was bad, but I thought maybe there was something there. Because this is totally some shit I would do in a pinch where, like, you got to get something done, but then maybe there's, like, a cool bracket on the other side, and this is just helping it. But no, check out the other side. So this is just uh, a reminder that um, bad modding isn't limited to consoles. Uh, there are stupid people everywhere. <laughs> And this is this is some of the stuff that we have to we as nerds have to fix, regardless if it's retro gaming or if it's just me going in and correcting the mistakes of another IT company. So hope you guys enjoyed that one. Chris Covell just posted something pretty awesome on his website. He took the original Super Nintendo and the Super Nintendo Junior or Mini, and he did a comparison using both screenshots and an oscilloscope that shows the differences. Um, so we can only speculate as to why the Super Nintendo was built each way, but uh, here he shows how and what it's doing. So it's more of a, a technical read, so I'll just scroll through the pictures really quickly here, but it's kind of cool just to see the actual scope plots on a website somewhere. Um, and I'm you know, really happy that people always take the time to do this. A bunch of other people have done this before. Um, I believe Bordy has, and I think Voltar has as well. Um, so not to take away from their work, but... Chris made it all nice and neat on a website, so I wanted to talk about his. But uh, for anybody that's interested in the more technical end of things, this is definitely something you'd want to flip through. And, um, yeah, thanks again to Chris for always posting this awesome stuff. I still haven't gotten around to trying his, uh, his de-blur for the PS1 stuff, but that's coming soon, I hope. Gizmodo just posted a really awesome interview with a person who's trying to rebuild... Uh, and resurrect old vintage computers from the 60s and 70s. And I thought it was a, a really great docu like mini documentary, if you will, and I wish they, they spent more time on it because I would love to know some more of the technical things that he does. Um, but this guy really just goes above and beyond to, to restore and preserve these old computers. Um, and I just think for anybody that's into any of the stuff that we are, even if you're not into those same computers, it'll strike the same chord with you. So I highly recommend giving it a watch, and hopefully somebody will do a full documentary on this guy someday. Someone on the Shmups forum just posted a potential fix for the Sony BVM monitors that were having sync issues. Now, most notoriously, this was the A-series with the BKM68X cards. 
Uh, and I say notorious because if you own one of those, chances are you spent thousands and thousands of dollars just to find out that some consoles were having sync issues. Uh, and there were a few things that you could do. I found running it through the original G-SCART into a 580XI into it helped. Um, there's a bunch of complicated things. I believe this relies on putting it through, putting your SCART input through this board and then also running it through the 580XI. Um, so it's still a pretty good solution. It's just something that you'd have to buy an extra piece for. But, um, you know, I'll report back if I know anybody that tries this themselves. But to be honest with you, if you own an A-series BVM and a 68X, just to add one small, relatively inexpensive piece to it to make it work, seems like a pretty good thing to, to purchase. So I'll report back when I hear anything or if I know anybody that's got hands-on with it. But um, overall, I'm just glad somebody's working on a solution for this because, uh, you know, the A-series you can generally find with very low hours on it. And a perfect solution, of course, would be to have some kind of custom input board so you don't need the 68X at all. You could just find an A-series and plug a different board in, but one thing at a time, I guess. So uh, thank you to anybody working on this project and testing, and I'll let everybody know how it turns out. Rick's just released a wireless Sega Genesis controller. Uh, he's calling it the Joys for $65, and it looks pretty cool. It comes in black and in clear. Um, and it comes with just the receiver and the joystick, and I believe it's compatible with the Master System as well. So it uh, it looks like a pretty cool product. I definitely ordered one for testing. I ordered a clear one because I'm a nerd. I want to see the inside of all my stuff. But uh, it seems like a, something that might benefit a lot of people because I know a lot of people setups uh, who a wired controller just makes it cumbersome. So uh, I'm very interested in trying it, and uh, the only criticism, I guess is that I never see any love for the original three-button controller. And that's one of my favorite game controllers of all time. Now, I don't dislike the six-button controller, and obviously, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you might want to release that as your controller, because it would support more games. But uh, I do hope we see more of the three-button controllers in quality aftermarket parts. But either way, it's in stock now. I ordered one, and as soon as I get it, I'll definitely do a review and let everybody know, everybody know what I think. There's a consolized Neo Geo MVS on AliExpress that some people have been talking about and other people have been reporting problems. So the good stuff is that it looks very nice. Um, it's a pretty cool shell and it looks like it's three different boards. The front input board that has um, both Neo Geo controller inputs as well as Sega Saturn controller inputs. The main board, which is an MVS motherboard, and then a rear board that handles the video output. So overall, uh, for $255 shipped, it seems like a pretty neat way to have an MVS, especially because the MVS games are generally way cheaper than AES. So if you prefer on playing original cartridges, something like this overall might actually be much cheaper. But the big warning is this already broke somebody's open source scan converter. So it is my assumption, I haven't opened one of these up yet, but it's my assumption that the video attenuation being done on the rear board is not being done properly. Um, I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but it is my guess that if it was just running at TTL level voltage, not RGB level, it wouldn't fry the OSSC that quickly. It would definitely not be a good idea to do that, but I don't think it would blow it up right away. I think there has to be some other issues with this. So my recommendation is if you don't feel like buying something brand new just that you have to mod 
right away, then don't pick this one up. Just wait. Um, the AES RGB mod should hopefully be out soon. Uh, I mean, there's going to be a lot of really great options coming up. Uh, so if you're not 100% confident in tinkering, don't. I would not recommend at least now buying it until other people really check it out. But if you're a tinkerer, if you have an oscilloscope, if you know how to build video circuits, um, I'm assuming at worst you would have to redesign the, the whole rear output board, which might not be that big a deal, especially for what else you get with this, but it could be worse. Uh, and until somebody really scopes it out and finds out why it broke that OSSC, then you know I really wouldn't recommend it to people. Now, of course, it's always a freak thing. Maybe maybe that one unit was bad, maybe the OSSC was bad, but consoleized MVSs and super guns have been uh, killing stuff for a long time. And while there's a ton of really well-built ones, there's also an equal amount of bad ones. Uh, and I've had friends, even just last week, tell me how many of these super guns they've been fixing lately because they were built wrong and hurting people's equipment. So please be cautious, um, and hopefully this thing will turn out to be cool one way or the other. Up next, I got Renee from uh, HD Retrovision here to uh, <laughs> to talk about one of the cool things that he made. And uh, I do have to preface this with something. You have made a bunch of really amazing shit that I'm a huge fan of. So it's a little silly that I'm so excited about something that probably took you an hour and costs like pennies uh, compared to some of the amazing accomplishments that you've made. But hey, credit where credit's due. This is freaking cool, dude. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so, uh, a lot of people have Xtron crosspoint switches, um, and while I would always recommend that somebody that has eight or less consoles just get a G-SCART light because it does everything that you would need and it just works exactly as expected, uh, if you want to mix component and RGB and VGA, or if you just have more than, you know, more than eight, the Xtron crosspoints are great, and uh, there's even a 32 by 32. It's actually almost the size of a 20-inch RGB monitor with literally 32 inputs and 32 outputs. I, uh, cousin Scott actually got one of these when he, uh, when he worked at Sony, and he allegedly, maybe, stole this. <laughs> oh, nice. But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty much the same thing that you're showing, and he's let me borrow it because I'm going to try it out when I get my new setup in. But it has the same problem, whereas all of these are the audio inputs. So yeah. up until now, um, you could either make your own, uh, like like this, as you see here, the picture that uh, Renee put that's uh, from my website where I did the chumps option and cut the ends <laughs> off of some RCA connectors. And that, that absolutely did work fine. Um, and then some of the cable makers actually offer those as ends. And I think you could buy Xtron brand ones, but don't do that. They're like 50 bucks each. It's, you know, it's one of those add-ons that you know, companies would just not realize you didn't need to do. Uh, yeah. So in place of that, uh, let me scroll down here. Uh, I'll start with the, just the final picture of it so people could really see. So you made your own PCB. Yep. Uh, with those connectors on it uh, and the RCA audio connectors. Yep. So the uh, the green connector on the end, um, where do you can you did you just buy those in bulk? Is that how people are able to assemble those? Yeah. So the Phoenix connector, it's a three point five millimeter standard five position connector. You can get it off a of Digikey or Mouser, but you can probably find it a lot cheaper on eBay or AliExpress, mm -hmm. right? So I recommend people look there first. Okay. Um, then the stack jack, uh, I showed the link on the on the website. I got off a of Digikey. 
a couple of bucks, right? If you if you're gonna buy like at least twenty or so, because probably most people are gonna be making at least twenty. There might be a bulk discount. Right. Then it's as simple as you know this RCA stack jack goes on top or gets soldered into the PCB I made, which has five fingers, and there um, there's copper exposed on both sides, and all you do is you jam it in to the five position uh, Phoenix connector. And once you screw it in, uh, I was worried that it wouldn't be strong, but it's very strong. Like I can't, I can't move it at all. Wow. So it's very sturdy. Yeah, it's good enough to hold heavy cables, such as these, you know, quality heavy cables from HD Retrovision. <laughs> <laughs> so let me take a look at some of the other pictures you have. So here's the one where it's uh, it's kind of out. Um, so it's showing it. Uh, it's showing the ends of the PCB not quite plugged into the green thing yet. So what I'm looking at here is you really have a PC built that uh, you, you couldn't get more of a beginner project. Um, all you have to do is solder the, those very easy to solder pins on the bottom after they snap in and then screw the green connector on top. Um, That's right. There's, there's three through-hole solder joints to do. That's it. Anyone can do this. This is awesome. And it's such a massive help because uh, I'll show the bottom of the PCB now. So... Yeah, wow, that's super simple. Snap it right in, hold it in place. In fact, if anybody's ever really been uh, been wanting to get starting on soldering and wanted to know a project, I, I mean, I couldn't possibly think of a better one to start than this, especially if you plan on getting a cross point. Um, and then you just uh, you recommend that people snip the excess metal sticking out the bottom, correct? Uh, I didn't need to do that on mine because there's nothing under there. I mean, you could always do that. Okay. It wouldn't. It wouldn't hurt. The um, those, the pins coming off of that jack are pretty thick, though. So you probably need uh, like hefty side cutters to do that. But gotcha. And uh, let me scroll down to my favorite shot here of it actually plugged directly in. So, um, the little screw hole to the right. Do you find that that interfered at all? Uh, no, no, because oh. the there's actually an indent. On one, on the other side, right? So oh they, wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so they, they they fall into place perfectly. Oh wow, that's just awesome and lucky. So, uh, when you have the RCA jacks plugged into the back, do you, uh, especially with something as hefty, strong, and well built as the HD Retrovision cables, uh, do you find it was putting too much pressure or anything like that, or do you think it were near solid and you didn't have to worry? Um, on my on my setup, I feel it's solid enough. I wouldn't like pull on it or anything the 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 weak point is is how loose the phoenix connector is inside the mating end on the um, on the extron it's definitely not like the the five screw terminals hmm. well uh this definitely seems like a very cool solution do you think anything like um reinforcing the RCA jacks in between each other? Or is there anything you can think of for people that really want to load, like myself, like I plan on loading up 12 of these, uh, and then if I ever get a bigger place, I'm going to get that 32-port one. For people <laughs> that want to, to load up just tons and tons of wires in there, is there any other thing, maybe just strain relief on the wires? Maybe just, you know, hang them? Yeah, like I, all the wires in my setup are secured in, in the rack in which they're, they're assembled, right? So there's very little strain uh, on on this connector itself. So if if you if you know, if you tie wrap or if you, however it is that you wire manage, as long as you do some kind of wire management, I think that's uh, strain relief enough to awesome. do this. Yeah. And uh, how much are you charging for these when uh, when they're released? 
<laughs> well, um, these are free and open source. Uh, ah. Yeah, so CERN uh, OHLV.1.2, uh, which uh, basically means if you're going to modify the design, you just got to post back your um, your changes. But I mean, I don't know what you could modify on here, really. So, yeah, so people can just go to my website and whoops, uh, go follow the links, download the the design files, or download the Gerbers and have them made. Uh, the yeah, the only right here actually. Yeah, the only um, note that I put on that is uh, because the fingers are so small, you have to make sure that the the PCB manufacturer that you get to build this actually has a. Uh, routing tool that's small enough to go through do those fingers. Gotcha. I, I, I have definitely dealt with PCB fabs in the past that cannot do this. So be sure, if you're new to this, just you know you can send a design file over to their um, you know sales support or whatever and ask them, will your CNC uh, routing, uh, board routing support you know this this particular outline? And I mean, if they want to make money off of you, they'll answer pretty quickly. So <laughs> good. Um, now, were you planning on selling these directly, or do you know anybody so far that was planning on ordering a hundred and just having it made up? Uh, I haven't heard anyone say that they're going to sell these on their website. Uh, if if enough people ask me, or if enough people bother me, I might actually go out and get a run of a hundred made just for just to, to to help the demand, right? But hopefully, I don't have to manufacture this. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, you know, thank you so much for donating this to people as you do with almost all of your stuff. Um, even if this does run at the wrong voltage, and I, no, kidding, 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 kidding. <laughs> but thank you very much for donating this. This is something every single person who either plans on buying or already owns a crosspoint is going to use, guaranteed. Um, so this is very freaking cool. And I don't know why. I just I don't I don't like cutting the ends of the RCA connectors. So this is a way better solution overall. So thank you very much for your awesome little invention. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on soon to talk about the triple bypass. Maybe that's right. Sort of. <laughs> See you next time. See ya. Just a quick one I wanted to mention. A hacker did a mashup of Super Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time, and it looks pretty neat. Uh, I'm not sure if it's actually playable on real hardware. But if anybody's interested in anything like that, definitely check out the ROM and uh, and test it out. There's also a pretty good story about it on Engadget, uh, and I got to give them credit; they seem to do a really good job this time on uh, really talking about the developer and how he made the game. So if you're interested, give it a try. Limited Run Games just posted on Twitter that Night Trap will get a Nintendo Switch release this summer, as well as a physical version through them. So at least uh, anybody who really wants to play Night Trap on a Switch could be able to do so through the digital download store, and then uh, all the rest of us won't be able to buy it from Limited Run Games. And speaking of Limited Run Games, it's looking like both them and another company are looking to re-release the Sega CD Jewel Case. Now that's something that I'm sure every Sega CD fan would want, because even if you're a hardcore collector that demands all of the originals, Guaranteed you have at least one or two Sega CD games with the plastic totally destroyed. So this is a perfect way to have it fit in your collection and look presentable in a way where you wouldn't have had the option before. Um, it's kind of funny, though, because the, this other company didn't realize Sega CD or, uh, Limited Run Games was making this, and um, now they're uh, you know they're going to have some competition against each other. But I just I don't know if this is something that Limited Run Games would have stocked or if they were only going to make a thousand of, and then that's it. So... Uh, and, you know, for anybody that didn't see the interview last year, uh, I'm always incredibly hard on those guys. They are 
they're they're good people who who are very blunt and open about their business model. They don't lie to anybody. They take care of their customers, but they they're just a company looking to to sell to collectors and to try to build hype and always sell out of everything they make. And I get it, but that's not what I'm all about. So uh, you know, all more power to them. I hope all of their endeavors work out well. But uh, if they were planning on making a small handful of these things. Um, now you actually have some competition that uh, seems like he really wants to make a solution for everybody. So who knows? Maybe this will be a step in limited run games trying to lean more towards everybody and not just the collector that can sit there and hit refresh nonstop over and over waiting to buy one of their games and then not be able to. But I'll leave a link to the interview down below if uh, if you think I'm being a little too harsh because it also has a video of what it's like to try to buy one of their games. Coincidentally, Night Trap. So, uh, you know, I'll leave you to make your own opinion on this, but I know who I'll be buying my Sega CD jewel cases from. Greg Collins has just teased another very cool 3D printed design. This is a midsection for anybody with a top-loading NES that wants to do the high-def NES mod but not cut their console. So, um, as anybody that follows me knows, I am a very big fan of no-cut mods because almost everything you could do electronically, you could reverse, but you could never uncut plastic. So, I'm a huge fan of stuff like this. Um, I don't think he's ready to release anything yet. I think he's kind of still just gauging interest, but um, if this is a mod that you were looking to do, but maybe you were hesitating because you didn't want to cut the hole for the HDMI adapter, this would be a perfect solution. So, I'll keep everybody updated if it's released. And speaking of no-cut mods, Sega Sonic fan on the SMS Power Forums just designed a power board for the Game Gear that doesn't look like it requires any cutting at all, that can be powered by USB and use rechargeable batteries. So um, I haven't had a chance to test any of this. I've just seen a picture that somebody who commissioned the work from him posted, but it looks very, very cool. Um, you take out the original power circuit, you could put in this one, um, and as you can see in the pictures, it doesn't look like there's any cutting. It looks like the power button's right there, uh, and where the other hole used to be is now just a USB port. Uh, so I think that's really, really cool. You know, there's LEDs designed in it, um, and I'm obviously always a fan of no-cut stuff, but this is a problem that is really plagued anybody that's ever used a Game Gear, and you only have two choices. You play sitting next to a light socket, or you get a whole bunch of batteries. Now, today with rechargeable AA's, it's not as big a deal, but something like this is a really big uh, help to anybody who wants to play Game Gear on the go. So, uh, big thanks to him, and I would love to try one of these things out and uh, just see how it works. I just saw a really neat video on YouTube that talks about lag and blanking in the Super Nintendo, um, and it really goes into great detail about how a CRT draws the image uh, and about how game consoles, specifically in this case the Super Nintendo, process that information on the screen. Um, I am going to come up with a video pretty quickly, uh, hopefully like right when I'm back full time, talking about lag and really explaining uh, more of a middleman point of view, how it works and what lag really is. This gets into a lot of technical details, which I love, um, but I, hopefully I'll have my video out soon enough. But anybody that's interested in, uh, in likes long technical videos, it's not too long, it's 15 minutes, but uh, definitely a cool watch for people that are into the more technical side of things. Kotaku just released a review of the Nintendo Labo kit, which is Nintendo's cardboard do-it-yourself, make some accessories kits. Um, and, you know, I, I guess it's really unfair of me to comment at all until I get one of these, but 
it just seems strange, but a great idea. But I don't know how well it'll actually be received. Because I imagine if you have kids, something like this would be a really awesome modding project to get into with your kids. Um, I imagine if you're just adults and you feel like tinkering with something and want to play with it, that's cool. But um, it's a, at the moment, it just feels a little bit too... Uh, like it hasn't found its place, you know? Like uh, I would love like a full modding kit for the Switch, or I want to just buy an accessory and have it work. So maybe I'll change my mind when I eventually get to try it, but um, the review seemed pretty cool, so uh, I'd give it a read and see what you think. I just saw on Mike Matei's Twitter feed that they're going to be launching all of the Angry Video Game Nerd episodes on Amazon Prime, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I'm glad that Amazon's opening up a little bit more to different content because uh, it was a gray area for a while. You know, you got their content and then you got movies and TV shows, but then there are all these like uh, weird low budget documentaries that's just people talking over still pictures of aliens. And it's, uh, so I hope it becomes uh, more of a, a step up from YouTube. So I hope that it's really just higher quality content, things like AVGN, which is very homegrown, but obviously taking the time to make as good quality video as possible. And if I get around to it, I would really love to make some how-to videos that are as high enough quality that might actually fit on a platform like that. So if you're a filmmaker or a higher-end YouTuber, certainly not, not what this is today, uh, maybe you'd consider putting stuff on Amazon. And, uh, I, you know, it's my opinion that the more ways people can find out about you, the better. So... Uh, I just figured I'd share that. And the latest video, AVGN video, I believe, is only available on Amazon for a short term before they put it on YouTube. So if you're looking for the latest episode, check it out there. This next thing's probably only exciting for people that own LG OLED TVs, but Martin just posted the calibration settings for his TV up on Shmups uh, and really went into detail about why you should uh, put each settings where it's at and how to get the lowest lag out of it while retaining the best quality. And he touched upon um, making sure when it's in SDR mode, not HDR, uh, you have to go into PC mode and you have to set it properly, otherwise you won't get the full RGB color space. And if this all sounds like gibberish to you, it, the end result is just that the TV looks as best as it can and your games look the way they're supposed to. So big help for anybody who owns an LG uh, OLED TV. His is a C7 from 2017, but I imagine the settings are very close to others. And of course, you can never get perfect unless you get the equipment and calibrate it yourself. But at the very least, I feel like this is a good start, especially with the PC mode settings and stuff like that. So thanks very much to Martin for posting. And uh, I, when I have time to, I can't wait to calibrate mine and really squeeze every little bit I can out of it. Undamned just posted a teaser for a CPS2 button replacement kit. Um, and I guess it replaces the assembly that tends to break all the time on those. So uh, anytime anybody's making tech that could help preserve and keep arcade stuff running properly, I'm a huge fan of that. And arcade stuff is something I want to get a lot more into this year. So as always, thanks to Undamned for all the cool stuff he posts. And I'll keep everybody updated. Got some interesting SNES news, and it's a little confusing, so I'm going to try to spit it out quickly and as straightforward as possible. A while back, Voltar figured out that if you change the capacitor on one-chip Super Nintendos, it gets rid of the ghosting that some of those had. Now, not every one-chip would show ghosting, and some would have it really bad, but overall, by replacing this capacitor, almost everybody has had great results. 
The only exception is a few games, for whatever reason, their existing glitches are now really brought to light. So without changing this capacitor, maybe there was still something there, but you didn't really see. And once you did, it uh, was brought to light and kind of annoying, I guess. So Akari, who is also the designer of the SD to SNES ROM cart, just posted something on Shmups that is an IPS ROM patch for Street Fighter 2 for Super Nintendo that fixes that glitch. So, yes, this is a bit of a niche bit of news, but um, not as much as you might think. Uh, so as long as you have a one-chip Super Nintendo and you've done the capacitor fix, this is one of a few games that has now has a glitch to it, and uh, this is a fix. As long as you don't mind playing on a ROM cart and not the original cart, now you don't have any of those glitches anymore. And I believe that a few other games were just posted, um, patches for those, but uh, I'll try to keep up with them as best I can. It's just something that if you fall into that category, maybe check out the, the topic on Shmups and download the patches, because I think that's just really cool. And uh, another huge thanks to Akari for posting this. And not only did he donate the SD to SNES project to the world, he's also still giving us cool stuff like this. So thank you very much. Tempest 4000 is now up for pre-order on Amazon for $30 for the PS4 and the Xbox One. Now, I absolutely loved Tempest 2000 for the Jaguar with the spinner controller. With the regular controller, it was an okay game, but with the spinner controller, not only was it the best Jaguar game, but it was just one of those games where I, I said, all right, well, let me give it a shot and see what I think. And after a while, I was like, all right, this was cool, this was neat. And then I looked up and I realized like an hour had passed. <laughs> it's just an addicting, awesome, fun game. And I'm really interested to see how they do it on the newer consoles. I really hope they find some way to, to have some kind of spinner controller. Maybe they could support a USB-based version or something. But uh, I definitely want to check it out when it's released, because if they find some way to have that awesome control scheme on it, I'm totally sold. Before I get to the Patreon stuff, I have a question for you guys. Is anybody out there a board developer or circuit designer that's working on a composite video or S-video to RGB circuit? Because not only do I still get a ton of emails from people about that, but I'm starting to see myself how uh, the need for something like that is really growing. And I think by far the most common scenario would be you have a handful of RGB SCART devices, you got yourself a switch, maybe you got like five devices and a GSCART switch, and then you have one SCART output going to the OSSC and the other one going to like a Sony BVM monitor, and now you want to input one device that's not RGB. So for me personally, it would be a laser disc player. I just want to pump that through my whole setup. Um, I know a lot of people with Commodore 64s that only have S-Video mods. And there's really just an infinite number of things that you might only have in composite video. So if anybody's working on something like that, please try to contact me. I know I've been absolutely terrible at responding to emails lately. I'm going to try to get a little better, but it's just not enough time at the moment. But I just really think a product like that... Um, I don't think you're going to make a million bucks on it, but I just feel like, at the very least, it would be worth your time. You'd sell enough to make it worth your time to finish. Or, or even if you have something half-designed, let me know, and maybe I could introduce you to people that might be able to help. But that was just a, a kind of a small thing that I felt was really missing in the community, and uh, there's no other cheap alternatives for that. So if you have the ability to help and the time to do it, please do. Okay, on to the Patreon giveaway stuff. So just a very quick recap, um, my Patreon was supposed to be on hold until I was ready to come back, and then 
For some reason, it got turned back on and all of my Patreons got charged in April when they were not supposed to. Um, and then I contacted Patreon to help, and they refused to help refund everybody. So uh, that's kind of one of the reasons why I'm back early. And to make up for that, uh, I am not charging anybody for May. It's just decisions already made. I refuse to, to double charge anybody like this. And I want to try to give a couple fun things away. Um, so I'll announce something this week, drawing week after that, announce something else after that, until the 1st of June, just to really show thanks to all of my Patreon subscribers. And uh, while some of this isn't the world's greatest stuff, I'm sure at least somebody's going to be happy to, to get something. And uh, the first thing, of course, uh, donated by Chris Glizzy of Hyperkin, who is actually uh, a, a big fan of the retro gaming scene and trying to make a difference. The Super Retron HD. Now, I know some people are probably going, wait, didn't, didn't you hate that thing? I hated it as a permanent SNES solution, as if it was your only SNES. So if that's the case, I would not recommend this. But as a second SNES, or for another reason, which I'll explain in a moment, I think these things are pretty cool. Um, it's not the highest quality, but if your goal was to say, hey, I really want a Super NT, but I can't afford that yet, uh, so I'm going to pick up one of these, it'll hold me off for a little while, and then, you know, this will become my secondary, and I'll get the Super NT. You know what? It's fine. It's perfect. But I think a better use for it would be for any Twitch streamers that are either just starting out, or just starting out with the retro stuff. Because it costs a lot of money to get all of the equipment required to stream retro consoles. And with something like this, you just grab yourself a CRT and use composite video, and then HDMI goes out to your capture card, and that's it. Um, and it's not the greatest solution, but doing that, it works perfect. Um, and it really kind of solves the problem temporarily. And I think I know a lot of people that might get into this and think, you know, oh, cool, I'm really happy, you know, for a couple times a year that I do it, this is the perfect solution. Others might get this and go, this is fine, but I want the best. Screw it. So uh, if you're interested in this, just go to my Patreon page. You'll see the picture of this up, and you can just post down below, and I'll uh, select from one of those winners. And uh, it comes with the everything that it came with, the power supply, the HDMI cable, um, and one brand-new, never-been-used controller still wrapped up. Uh, to be honest, I actually I think it came with two, and I don't know where the other one went. So if I find the other controller, um, that will come with it, too. Sorry about that, but hopefully this is a good start. Uh, I'm going to have a couple of things, some silly, some not, um, and really want to just show everybody that I really do appreciate your Patreon support. Uh, I'm going to have more stuff like this, and then when I get back in June and actually charge, uh, I'm going to try to ask a few of my friends to donate some awesome stuff to give away um, to really just jump back in, and hopefully by that time the channel will be ramped up fully and we could really just, uh, you know, just try to make the best of this, because 2018, I'm going to give this everything I got and try to make retro RGB as best as it can. You know, the website, the channel, everything I can do. And the only way I can continue to do this is with your Patreon support. So thank you so much for everything, as always. Hopefully this is a fun little start to some of the stuff that I'll give away. Um, and uh, just post down below in, in Patreon if you're interested, and the drawing will be next week. All right, that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, I'm, like I said before, I'm still ramping back up. I'm still trying to catch up with stuff. Um, I'm pretty much not responding anywhere. Emails, Twitter. Uh, I, I think I pretty much gave up on Facebook a while back. And, you know, Twitter I've been bad at. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll, I will try to get back to that if I can, but uh, i got to 
finish up a bunch of other stuff first. Then I want 100% of my focus being to just making this channel as good as I can and really getting back to doing the things that I've been trying to do for over a year, almost two years now, and uh, just wasn't able to. So you can only do this with your help. Please like, subscribe, retweet, spread the word. Um, you know, if you want to wait till I come back a little further to make sure the channel is going to be a little bit better than a silly backdrop and a, you know, a Firefox window up next to me, I understand. But uh, this is going to be a big push this year. I really love doing this stuff, and I want to try to do it as best as I possibly can. So thank you to everybody's support, and I will see you next week.